Hello, everyone, and welcome. Thank you for joining me. Last month, I offered an event uh, specifically around these times of pandemic. Uh, and that event was, again, it was a two-hour event like this one, and it was uh, titled Opening Your Heart to the challenge of crisis. And it was because I had a realization about how we could orient in these challenging times that I wanted to share. And that event was very well received and I didn't intend to do another one. And then I guess a couple of weeks ago now, I had a realization about these times that led me to wake up with this intense urge to share more uh, and I woke up that morning and just sat down uh, and just wrote out a description of what I wanted to say or what I wanted to share and that's this event which I call embrace embracing the opportunity of unprecedented times the first thing I want to say today is in relationship to the next two hours that we're about to share together. And some of it will be uh, ideas and insights that I would like to share with you. And some of it will be practices that we will do together. I really would suggest and encourage that you move with me slowly through this. Uh, I think the opportunity that I'm feeling, and I'm sure many of you are feeling, is very deep. And so uh, in order for us to access the potential that I think is, coming, is, is becoming available, we need to go slowly and carefully uh, with focused awareness because there's a lot of commotion on the surface of life at the moment. And a great deal of that, although perhaps necessary, can end up being a distraction from the deeper opportunities that we wanna focus on over the next two hours. So I would just ask you for the next two hours to really give yourself completely to what we're doing together without referencing beyond this little two hour time capsule we're in. Give yourself the luxury of exploring this without having to justify it, defend it, validate it. You don't have to do any of that. You just go with it. It's like a, it's like test driving a car, you know, just see what this car does, see how it feels to drive in this car. And you can do all the judging and validating and justifying and defending after. There'll be plenty of time for that. But for now, just give yourself to what we're doing. And in order to support that for all of us, 
and because I think it's absolutely essential. Uh, I want to preface everything that we're about to explore with a fact that I'm sure we're all, we, we couldn't possibly not be glaringly aware of, which is that these are very, very difficult times that all of us have been negatively impacted in some way or another, you know, either in terms of our own health and well-being or the health and well-being of a loved one. Some of us have lost loved ones. Uh, or in terms of our economic stability, our financial viability in these times, just the loneliness of not seeing people in the way that we used to. And these are times of tremendous hardship. So there's no way in which I would want any of us to deny those challenges. And in fact, the first thing that I would like us to do together is to join in a compassion sharing meditation. So if you would close your eyes and sit still and relax. And first, just call to mind the various ways in which you have been negatively impacted by this pandemic. And it doesn't matter if those seem minor compared to others. Just call to mind the ways that you've been negatively impacted. And then open to be able to receive compassionate healing energy. And then give your attention to everyone here who's gathered together on this call. And if you feel that you have compassionate healing energy 
that you can spare, that you don't need for yourself, gently make it available for anyone present who needs it. And then just relax into this mutual practice of giving and receiving. Feel the, hen- the healing energy that's being offered to you. Feel yourself offering energy to others. And just relax into this respiration of compassion, breathing in, breathing out, healing energy. And now please turn your attention beyond this gathering to the millions and millions of people who are suffering all over the world in different ways. whether through economic hardship or ill health or psychological fears and insecurities. Turn your attention outward and together radiate love and compassion in all directions
making that healing available. to anyone who needs it. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you all for being so generous with each other and with the world. There's one dimension of the crisis of these times. The physical emotional hardship that we can't deny and that we should, or at least I believe, we should open our hearts to. And that's not the dimension of this that I intend, that I wanted to share about today. It's, it's, it's an important dimension and it's one that we need to be aware of there are economic, there are physical, there are emotional hardships that, that do need attention. But because I teach meditation and uh, because my focus is more on the spiritual realms, that's the dimension that I'm wanting to speak more directly to today. What I see, you know, this is called embrace the opportunity of unprecedented time. So I like to just reveal uh, the big themes right at the beginning. What I'm experiencing and what I've heard from others that they're experiencing is that one of the great spiritual opportunities of this time 
is the experience of liberation from the tyranny of waiting. And this is a time in which unconscious ways that we have been waiting fall away. And it creates a sense of spiritual immediacy, immediate possibility. And of course, in these times, as we look at the world and what's happening, and I think it becomes fairly obvious to all of us that our shortcomings as a human species are dramatically highlighted. Now, of course, also our beautiful qualities we see at these times. This is the, the crises bring out the best and worst of us. But even deeper than those best and worst qualities that come out at these times is this underlying liberation from the tyranny of waiting. And I'm gonna take you through a, a little story of my journey through this, which I'm hoping that many of you can relate to. When all this began, during the week when it became obvious that there was a huge outbreak in New York and uh, the first states were starting to contemplate shutting down and they were getting ready to close the borders, uh, you know, when this all happened, at least in America, I happened to be leading a retreat in Brazil. Uh, and so even though I was minimally keeping track of what was happened, just out of a sense of responsibility for the people that I was working with, I was largely disconnected from it. Uh, I arrived back here in the U.S. on March 16th, so uh, that was quite in the middle of, of the big burst. And of course, I immediately put myself in two weeks of quarantine. And so I was just in my house by myself for 14 days. And for the first 10 or 11 days, I was thinking about, okay, you know, quarantine will end. And I was very focused on getting through this 14 days. And sometime around day 10 or 11, it dawned on me that nothing was gonna change on day 15. That the whole idea that quarantine was coming to an end was a joke because nobody, everybody was in quarantine. Uh, and that's when I had my first epiphany that led me to do that first uh, open your heart to the challenge of crisis event that I told you about. Because when you, when you realize that you've been waiting for something that's not going to come. On the one hand, it can be terrifying. It can be, it can be bad news. On the other hand, it's good news because you can stop waiting. So when, when I realized that, that nothing was going to change when my quarantine period came to an end, literally my heart just burst open because uh, I felt the freedom to respond to the way things were. I didn't have to wait for day 14 or day 15. And uh, I started to think, okay, this is it. You know, this, is, this quarantine's not gonna end. So 
and that's when I started to talk about the, the, the incredible opportunity of global monasticism, about being quiet, about turning inward, about using this time to nurture our souls. And that's by and large how I've been using this time. So more recently, you know, two weeks ago when I decided to do this event, it was around a similar realization, which is the realization that this, this challenge that we're in right now, this COVID-19 challenge, you know, and with all of the talk about opening things up and getting stores open, I mean, that's all gonna happen. And COVID-19 is gonna go away. You know, these kind of viruses go away. The ones that have come before went away and this one will go away too. We just don't know when and what the cost will be. But I realized that whatever is happening right now, what a challenge crisis time we're in, it's not gonna have a definitive endpoint. There's not gonna be one day where you say this is COVID-19 and then the next day it's over. That's not gonna happen. You know, things will change for sure. But there's no for, no reason to postpone. And so, so two weeks ago, I had the second big heart opening around the fact that there's literally nothing to wait for. And that one was accompanied with a feeling that I find can be difficult to describe. And I have heard of a different, I have heard of other people who feel this way and similarly feel it can be a little bit difficult to talk about because, and I don't want this to sound callous and I did preface this with our You know, with, uh, with wanting to share love and healing with, for the hardships of the world. And yet, there was also this sense two weeks ago of essentially, in a certain way, giving up on the world. And I know that doesn't sound as good as it felt, but it, it had more to do with, you know, I've lived my whole life seeing myself as someone who was committed to a better world. And I think at a very deep level, what released for me or what I felt and still feel is that in a certain, to a certain extent, obviously I've, I've done many wonderful things and I think I've made some authentically positive contributions to the world. So that's also true. And what I saw was this, the commitment to a better world can have smuggled in with it this waiting for the better world. And, and in other words, it can have inside of it this sense that I'm now living in the meantime where I'm working to create the better world, but the better world hasn't come yet. And when, when that relaxed, what I felt was this incredible elation of 
no longer seeing myself as working for a better world and what that makes possible. And one of the things I really want to share with you today is that when you give up working toward a better world, you can open up to the possibility of living a better world right now. So there's no waiting. What I felt was, I don't have to wait. It was such a relief. I don't have to wait for the world to get better. I can live in a way that makes perfect sense. It's perfectly harmoniously connected with the higher dimensions of reality and with the multiple, multi-dimensional ecosystem of life and ideas. And I can do that right now. We can't We can't necessarily make the rest of the world do that right now. But I as an individual can do that. And you as individuals can do that. And maybe some of us together can do that. There was a a completely renewed spirit in me of freedom from the world and intense passion to live different now you know for for those of you who may not know me i guess it's almost 30 years ago now because of spiritual circumstances i left a very good career and a marriage and every other part of a life to live in a spiritual community for the next 20 years. And I did it because something opened up in me exactly like this, where I realized that something was possible right now and I didn't want to wait another moment for it. And I'm feeling a renewed intensity of that passion. And I think many of you probably are as well. And I think more of you are maybe than even realize it which is why I felt like I, I really wanted to share this time with you. So I said the, the great opportunity of these unprecedented times is liberation from the tyranny of waiting, which also means the disappearance of any meantime, any way in which we are working toward and a renewed vigor of living now. So I just want to take a moment in silence. To give you the chance to relax into your own experience. So you can see if this renewed interest, passion for living 
differently now, a kind of holy, sacred, and divine impatience with working toward a better future. If, if you can sense some of that in your own experience, and if it resonates with you, that this is the great spiritual opportunity of this moment. Okay, thank you very much. So of course, recognizing the opportunity is essential. And we need to find ways of realizing that opportunity. And so during the rest of our time together, I really want to be speaking very directly about how do we realize the full potential of the opportunity that exists? And I want to present a few different ways in which we can look at this that can help illuminate how that opportunity to live differently now can be fully realized. And the first thing I want to speak about is how to thrive in the unknown. Generally speaking, and you know, we see this on display right now very much, human beings don't do so well with not knowing. We are very conditioned 
to believe that our most valuable strength is our ability to know. Especially in, in the post-Enlightenment world, the world post the European Enlightenment, where reason became the, the most highly valued human quality. We have been very, very deeply for generations upon generations conditioned to value knowing and understanding. And so one of the things that's so challenging about these times is that nobody knows what's going to happen. Now, when nobody knows what's going to happen, what often occurs is lots of people share their opinions about what they think is going to happen as if they know. And that gets dangerous. But the, the challenge of not knowing is, is abundantly clear because it's natural for us to want to know, to desperately want to know, to want to know what's going to happen, to want to know how this is all working, to want to know where we're going to be in three months. And there's always people who are willing to tell you that they know. And they may or may not. We are conditioned to fear the unknown because we're conditioned to fear change. We assume that when things change, that they'll get worse. Or at least we protect ourselves against the possibility that they'll get worse. Nobody enters a process of not knowing and dramatic change and things. Oh my God, things are gonna get better. Generally, when we are thrust into a situation of not knowing, like the one we are in now, what arises is a dramatic fear that things are going to get bad and worse. And that fear that things are going to get bad or worse can also lead us to want to get back to the way things were. But at least for these next two hours, I'm going to suggest that we all open to the possibility that things could get much, much better. As hard as that might be to believe some days, It's exactly how I'm feeling. In fact, I feel certain things are going to get better. Because personally, I don't have, I have every intention not to go back to the way things were. And personally, my life was pretty good the way things were. And yet I'm now seeing that it's, it could be much, much better. much, much better spiritually in relationship to living harmoniously with more dimensions of reality.
So on the one hand, when we don't know, it generates fear because we don't know what's going to happen. But a lot of what we're speaking about today is a very fine shift. It's a very fine line that you can be on one side, shift to the other side. So on one side, not knowing is a terrifying event that leads us to, to want to uh, brace ourselves for disaster or work as hard as possible to avoid disaster. But a slight shift to the other side will reveal that when you don't know what's possible, anything's possible. That's the great excitement of not, when you know what's possible, you, that's it. That's just what's going to happen because you already know. In my own spiritual life, I remember a very, very distinct day. There's certain days when you have realizations that you know they're big at the time, but you don't realize that you're going to still, they're still going to be guiding your life, you know, 25 years later. Um, but I remember being on a retreat, having all kinds of truly mind-blowing experiences, walking around outside, it was a beautiful day, and I was just in this state of wonder. You know, so many things I had experienced already in, in, a, in a certain number of years, you know, of spiritual life, and so many experiences I've had and had had at the time. And, and I remember looking up at the sky, and it was a beautiful sky, and realizing I really have no idea what's possible. I've already, you know, I realized that already in my life, and I was probably about, you know, that was, this was probably 20 years ago, already in my life, I, I had experienced dozens of things I never would have thought would have been possible. So there was no reason why there weren't dozens, if not hundreds or thousands more things that I, I would experience. That I, that I had thought was not, were not possible. And I just let go. There was a re relaxation into the fact that I have no idea what's possible. And that made me so happy because I went from living in a world that was limited by what I could imagine was possible to living in a world that was literally unlimited. It didn't mean that everything was possible, but it meant that I didn't know what was possible. And so from my point of view, anything was possible. And I stopped worrying about what was and was not possible. At some level, I stopped assuming I knew what I could and couldn't do and what the world could and couldn't be. And so that's part of the invitation uh, of this conversation today. It's an invitation to you to explore how deeply you have no idea what's possible. And therefore, 
how much possibility exists to be embraced. Now in the title for this event, uh, I called it Embracing the Opportunity of Unprecedented Times. And unprecedented is just a lovely word. Uh, some words are just wonderful and unprecedented is one. You know, without precedent, without, without any kind, without, you know, it means novel, it means new, it means without any history. And these times are remarkably unprecedented, certainly in our lifetime. And one of the reasons why the kinds of spiritual feelings we might be feeling, some of the things I've described, are coming up, is because part of what's so unprecedented in these times is that we are experiencing massive personal and cultural disruption of habit across the entire world. So many habits are currently on hold. And the opportunity of having all those habits be on hold is tremendous. It's absolutely tremendous uh, because who we are, what we do, what we think, what we feel, and how we experience reality is much, much more shaped by and limited to conditioned habits than we realize. From one point of view, it would not be too much of an exaggeration to say that everything that we are is the unfolding of habits. In the, in the Eastern spiritual traditions, they talk about karma. There's a lot of similarities there. That, that, that who we are is a consequence of our karma, the propagation of energies through time. In the Buddhist tradition, they talk about dependent origination, you know, that, that, that everything's origination, everything that occurs is dependent on what came before. That, that Everything that occurs leads directly to the next thing that occurs, leads directly to the next thing that occurs. We live in a culture, 
especially if you're an American, but, but largely in the modern, in the, the industrialized modern world, but certainly in America, we live in a culture which prizes the idea of free will. And right now, of course, we're seeing a lot of backlash of the idea of freedom, freedoms being taken away from us. And when I speak about how much we are simply products of habit, it can feel offensive to our sense of freedom and free will. But one thing that I would like you to consider is this. It's a, an idea that it struck me some time ago. One of the best ways to keep people enslaved, especially in, in, a, in a modern world full of intelligent people, one of the best ways to keep people enslaved without them realizing it is to convince them that they're free. Because if you're convinced that you're already free, you won't go looking for more freedom. And so the great liberation of realizing how habituated we are and how unfree we are is that it immediately, the flip side of that is always immediately the possibility of being free, of deconditioning ourselves. You see, that's part of what I felt two, two weeks ago as I started to tell you Somehow I realized that I had somehow developed a habit of seeing myself as someone who was committed to changing the world. And as good as that is, and it's very good, a commitment to changing the world in a very subtle way on its flip side is also a commitment to the world not being, not being okay now. Because in order for me to be occupied changing the world, I need to be in a world that's not okay the way it is. And so in, in a very sneaky way, my very positive commitment to changing the world was also a commitment to making sure the world remained the way it was so that I could continue to see myself as a world-changing agent. And I felt so liberated from that. And I literally felt an infusion of spiritual energy and God energy enter me. I felt like I had taken a step in some direction I didn't even know existed closer to divinity because I was that much closer to living the sacred now, not waiting for the world to change. <laughs>
And so when we realize that so much of what we do, so even now, as I'm speaking to you, so many of the words that come out of my mouth are the, the same words I use. We all have our vocabulary that's habitual. I have certain words that I tend to use. People who know me will know that I use the same words all the time. So I, I use them in a slightly different order uh, each time. <clears throat> but largely, it's, there's so much habit going on. In the way that we live, there's so much habit uh, that, that moves through us that we may or may not be aware of. In our, our reactions and responses to things are, are often deeply conditioned. So to use a very ordinary example, and, and I think this will help make the point of, of what the, our opportunity is right now. We all have the experience <clears throat> most days, <coughs> excuse me, most days of waking up, the alarm goes off, and we get up out of bed, open the curtains, go to the bathroom, brush our teeth, whatever, without really even being aware of what we're doing. You know, it would be an interesting experiment to put a spy cam in your bedroom and uh, film your morning routine every morning for a year and then watch them all and see how similar they are. And because it's just a habit. And we just go right through the habit of showering and dressing and getting in the car and going to work or whatever we do. But if there's one morning where we're in the middle of dressing and about to walk out the door and realize that we've lost our keys, now we have a crisis. Now we have something that's blocked the pattern of habit. And when the pattern of habit gets blocked, what happens? When you realize you have your keys, you don't have your keys, you no longer have a habitual routine that you can keep following because the habitual routine includes reaching in your pocket, picking up your keys, opening the car door. Now you can't do that. So your habitual path is blocked. So what happens is you sort of spring to consciousness then. It's like, you, oh, whoa, you wake up in the middle of your routine and go, oh shit, I don't have my keys. And then you go on a wild hunt for your keys and probably get upset. And maybe you have a routine for doing that if you're the kind of person who loses their keys all the time. But either way, your original routine has been broken. And, and that always involves a kind of springing to greater awareness. Suddenly you know where you are, you know what part of the routine you're in, you know what needs to happen next. So if we think about that in terms of the current situation that we're in, it's as if the whole world were going along on, a, on its habitual track and suddenly it all just stopped. And the opportunity, the potential, the possibility is that we spring to higher consciousness. That we go, oh my God, what were we doing? I had shared an image with a few people uh, from around this time a couple of weeks ago. It's a, it's a short film that I think would be very fun to me. I wish I was a filmmaker and I wish I had a lot of money to make films, but I don't. Uh, 
But I thought this would be a very interesting short film, which is, I kind of imagined a big expanse of land, maybe a, a plain or a desert, you know, something flat enough that people could run on. And at first there was just one person walking by themselves. And then another person joined and then another person joined. And then, and then pretty soon there was a fairly big group of people walking together. And then one person started walking a little faster than the others. It was getting ahead of the others. And then someone else noticed and started walking faster to catch up. And then someone else walked even faster than them. And then boom, 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 boom. Pretty soon everybody's running at full speed. You know, this is a huge pack of people and everybody's running at full speed. And of course, not everybody can run at the same speed as the others, but everybody's running as fast as they possibly can. And suddenly somebody trips and that knocks down three more people and that knocks down nine more people. And, that, and then there's a big pile up. Everybody's just fallen onto the ground. And then everyone starts looking up and looking around. And I kind of feel like that's potentially where we are. Human life was moving so fast. The habits of making money, of consuming, of getting ahead was, was going faster and faster and faster. It was all accelerating. And this situation has sort of blindsided it. And, and now there's been a huge pileup. And then the question is, what's going to happen? Are we just going to get up and start running as if nothing happened and, and wait until the next thing happens? Because maybe the next one will be worse than this one. And if everyone gets up and starts running, which, which, is, the, which is the question that was bothering me, but is no longer bothering me, I was more concerned about the fact that I didn't think the world was going to stop running, even based on this. I wasn't getting the, the, I wasn't getting the sign that, that anything dramatic was going to change as a result of this, that, that by and large, the momentum to, to reestablish the way things were was the strongest momentum. But rather than worrying about whether everybody was going to stop, or, or, or get up and walk slowly instead of running at full speed, I realized the only thing I have to worry about is even if everyone else just gets up and starts running again, what am I going to do? Am I going to be willing to be the one who just says, no, I'm going to walk, thanks. I don't care how far behind I get in that race. That's not a race I'm in anymore. And so that's a, a visual way to represent these, this moment. It's a moment when everything has come to a screeching halt. And there may be culturally a huge momentum, a habit of running that's so strong that even this 
positive disruption isn't big enough to stop it. The world might just get up and keep going. But the more important question is, what are we going to do? Are we going to get up and keep going? Or are we going to explore and realize the incredible opportunity that we have that's, that's been handed to us? So the energy of transformation, the energy of transformation that I want to bring to your attention right now, the energy that I think we need in order to realize the potential that I'm speaking about, I want to speak about it this way. I tried to create a little phrase that you could remember. That, that would stick with you. If there's one thing that sticks with you from these two hours, I hope it's this. So I'm probably gonna repeat it a lot more. The energy that we want to work with involves relax, replace, and renew. So the energy is relax, replace, and renew. Relax means relaxing all of our previous habits. It literally means relaxing. Resting in non-reactivity. Stopping. And as we learn to completely relax, we will find ourselves becoming more and more deeply aligned with our true self, our authentic self. We will discover what we really value and what really matters to us. And we can listen
And in the quiet of all the running having stopped, we can hear how we're called to live. And then from that place of total stillness, it's possible to see habits that we had developed, maybe habits that had served us well, but which we now recognize are not aligned with who we really are. And then we can replace them with different habits. We can also see hab habits of being that are perfectly aligned with our deepest self. And we can renew those with greater passion and energy. I have been working on this myself personally for the last two months. And I'm just going to give you one example because I think it might help illuminate the point. So my life is dedicated to sharing my the, the fruits of, of a life dedicated to spiritual awakening. You know, at that time that I described to you when I left my life to become part of a spiritual community, prior to that, my, my biggest hobby was spiritual awakening. You know, while all the time that I was developing a career and building a life, you know, the thing that I cared the most about was my spiritual life and my spiritual growth. But I, I didn't, my life didn't revolve around it. And then after that point, my life revolved around it. And I've experienced amazing blessings of having chosen to live that kind of life and blessings that I feel compelled to share and that I continually uh, get evidence is very valuable to people. But somehow, and this was, this was a realization that was coming, but it somehow got accelerated in this time 
I realized that I, I had much more to share than I was, than I was sharing at the time that I, and I realized that there was something about the way that I was living about the habitual way of living that I had developed that was not giving me access to depths that I was now becoming committed to sharing. And I started to realize that <clears throat> I needed to slow down. I'm habitually very busy and very productive, uh, as any of any anyone who knows me knows. Uh, I'm happy being productive, and that's not a personal choice. That's really a habit, and I can see how that habit developed through my life, starting in my childhood. But it's it's a habit, and it served me really well. I've been very productive, uh, and that's helped me to create many of the things that I've created, but it became clear to me that in order to share higher dimensions of what I want to share, I was going to need to slow down because I needed to create space. That sharing needed more space. And so here's just one small example. I realized that I had developed a habit over the last 30 years. I tend to wake up early. So my habit was I would wake up early and I would use those early morning hours to work. Cause I always felt like I got my best work done in those early morning hours. And I love those hours. It's quiet. I get a lot done. But two months ago, I stopped doing that. And I started getting up and just being quiet for the first hour or two of the day. Not necessarily, you know, not necessarily doing practice because that can also become a form of being productive, but literally just being quiet. And I noticed this morning that it's become a habit. Like initially it was kind of hard and some days I would forget to be quiet and I would find myself just working and go, oh no, I'm supposed to be quiet in the morning. But now I just get up and I naturally light a few candles, sit down and stay quiet. And I'm already seeing the, the tremendous fruit from even that small change. I've made other changes too, but that's one that's just easy to identify. Our life, to a greater extent than we might realize, rests on and rides on an enormous number of habits from very small habits to larger habits that just perpetuate through the, through the energy of their own momentum. You know, just because you always did it, you know, that, you know, initially when you're breaking a habit, you have to do it consciously. Like I was doing, I had to wake up in the morning and I had to remember that I'm not working in the morning anymore. Now I'm being quiet. And some days if I got up too fast, I would just slip into the old groove and I'd find myself at the, at the typewriter 
writing the next chapter of a book or something and then remembering, oh, this is not what I'm supposed to do, right? So I would, but now it's been two months, I'm not finding that happening anymore. I'm feeling free of that habit and I'm feeling the fruits of a new habit that I have created. So what I want to do now, in the spirit of relax, replace, and renew, we're just going to sit in silence for 10 or 15 minutes together. And I want you to breathe as naturally as you can. Relax as deeply as you can. Don't try to think about the things that I've just been saying. Don't try to analyze it. See, as soon as we start analyzing or thinking, because all of our an an analytics are also habits. So we don't want to jump into analyzing because that will, we will tend to come up with the same conclusions we always come up with because that's our habit. Instead, we just want to relax and observe because everything that I just said is, is now inside you. You just heard it. You can't unhear it. And in a very natural way, insights will arise and you just want to let them arise and see what they are without working with them. Let them present themselves to you rather than you doing something with them. So just close your eyes and relax for the next 15 minutes and enjoy. It's important that you enjoy. Enjoy the space. Feel the freedom. the way that we have been directing our attention and the things that we've been thinking about have generated a lot of freedom, a lot of space, a lot of possibility. So as we sit, enjoy the space. This is our little time capsule. We don't have to play by anybody's rules here. So enjoy the space of freedom.
Okay, thank you very much. So I have just a couple more things that I want to share with you. <clears throat> Before we end. We spoke about habits. And one thing that's interesting to consider in relationship to the habits that live us, I like thinking about it that way, not, not the habits that we have, but the habits that live us or live through us, is that a great deal of what we do is dictated to us by economic concerns or social expectations and the various ambitions that arise out of those. Economic concerns and social expectations are two of the huge controlling influences over our lives. And I've mentioned a little bit about my own life so from one point of view, for sure, many people would look at my life and it would look pretty alternative. Uh, started out fairly conservative. I was an engineer, then I was a school teacher, married, owned a house, then left everything, joined a spiritual community, lived there for 20 years. I mean, and that's a whole other story that we won't need to go into right now. <clears throat> and then when that all broke apart about eight years ago, I've been teaching online and in person. I still feel quite removed from the world in a lot of ways. So in many ways, I live a fairly alternative existence, and yet I can still see how much my life is affected by economic concerns and social expectations. And so the great opportunity of this moment is that a lot of those habits, not all of them for sure, but a great deal of them have been positively disrupted. So there's a possibility of letting go. They've been disrupted in two ways, really. One way is because we just can't work or <clears throat> nobody knows how to be exactly in these times. They've also been disrupted because there's always an assumption when, for instance, when, you're get up, when you get up in the morning and go through your morning routine that leads to you getting to the car and driving to work, there's an underlying assumption 
that surrendering to that routine is going to lead to the desired outcome, which is getting to work. So when a big disruption occurs like this, it's, it becomes clear to all of us that there's no guarantees. There's no guarantee that modern life is going to work out clearly. And, and even though we probably all knew that already, a moment like this makes it really, really obvious. And that can be scary and it can be thrilling. It can be scary because there's probably some part of us that assumed it would somehow work out. You know, we assume that somehow really, you know, when the shit hit the fan, we'd pull it together. And then you go, oh, maybe we won't. And so that can be scary, but it's also can be thrilling because it's like, okay, then I'm not going to wait for that anymore. And as I described to you in my own case, I just found that my deepest love, passion, and desire since I was a small child has been toward living a life, what you could call a spiritual life or a life with God. The first thing I wanted to be as a child was a priest because I was raised in a Catholic family. And then I let go of that whole tradition. So that ended any ideas of wanting to be a priest. But there was something in that early desire because that's just what I came into this world wanting for whatever reason. And along the way, I've developed all kinds of other things. And in my case, most of them are amazing. Most of them are great. I feel very, very blessed and very grateful. And I now feel an opportunity to live much closer to God. And I'm feeling a divine impatience that says, I don't want to wait for anything. I don't want to, I don't need to wait. And so I'm not, I'm just arranging, you know, my life, which means the actual moments of my day, I'm just constantly on the lookout. Are there ways in which I could be more aligned with what, with what my heart desires? How could it not be true that my greatest contribution to the world would be made by living as closely aligned as possible with my heart's desire? Why would I think that my ideas about the contribution I was here to make to the world would somehow be more accurate than what my heart's been telling me since I was three years old? Why do I think I'm so smart that I can figure out what my purpose is better than the one that naturally exists in my own heart and has for a long time? I said earlier, we've learned to trust reason, to trust our minds, to trust our knowing. But right now I'm feeling how Given how much life has been disrupted, 
there's an opportunity to listen to what our heart is telling us. So our heart remains clear. Even when our mind gets confused, the heart remains clear if we're listening deeply. And so that's what I want to leave you with today. I want to leave you with what I believe is the truth, but I will only ask that you entertain the possibility that it's the truth. You can find out for yourself, which is that to a greater degree than has ever been true in our lifetime, as they say, all bets are currently off. None of us knows the right way forward. None of us knows what's going to happen. All of our old models of economic security are being called into question. Who knows how the, where the chips, the proverbial chips are gonna fall after this is said and done or as this continues. And in terms of social expectation, because everything is so wide open right now, I'm feeling how much, how open people are to new possibilities in ways that often we're not. And so what I, all I want to leave you with is the luxury of listening to your own heart without filtering anything that it says. Allow it to reveal to you the life you came here to live in all its glory without any hedging and knowing that you can just live that now. You may not be able to live every aspect of it to its fullest extent, but you can stop thinking of yourself as someone who is working toward that and just become a person who's doing it now. Even if you can only do 2% of it right this second, it doesn't matter because 2% will become 4%, will become 8%, will become 100% in no time. So I call this embrace the opportunity of unprecedented times. And that opportunity is that we can use this moment, that this moment of unprecedented disruption, positive disruption of habitual ways of being has created a field of possibility that's so wide open that we have the chance to embrace the life of our destiny right now.
And I really want to encourage all of you to spend some time today, over the next few days, weeks, months, just relaxing into a state of deep listening to your own heart so that you can feel what you're called for, called to. And make whatever little change you can make now that moves you in that direction. It doesn't matter how small it is. What matters is that you do it right now as soon as it becomes obvious to you because the habit, the most important habit that we want to start to develop and strengthen is the habit of responding to our hearts immediately. As soon as our heart reveals something, we want to respond to it. Maybe we can only respond this much. It doesn't matter. The habit is I respond. When my heart speaks, I respond. When my heart tells me something, I do it. Maybe I can't do it 100% right now, but I do it 2%. Relax, replace, and renew. That's the energy to engage with, the energy we've been working on. We can just relax into that energy. Relax into the freedom that exists. Relax, replace, renew. have no intention of going back. Forward into the life of your dreams is the only way to go. And the life of your dreams will be your biggest contribution. The life of your dreams may turn out to be a life in service of a better world. And if it is, I bless you. But that it doesn't, it won't necessarily be everyone's calling. But whatever your calling is, living it will be your greatest contribution in ways that you may never know what they are. That'll be your big, your biggest gift to the world.